0: Before I decided to focus this podcast on sharing stories of women over 40, I recorded a series of conversations last year to test the waters for both myself and for you. We originally launched the series in May and June of last year. With each episode, my heart swelled a little more at the idea of centering my platform on women over 40. The conversations around aging were growing louder and louder, but they still seemed focused on health, wellness, the silver hair movement, fashion, and menopause. And while I was thrilled to see more content created for me and my peers, I didn't see as much that helped us consider our futures. I wanted to talk about what was next. I wanted to talk about purpose and unfulfilled dreams while we had experience behind us and more time ahead of us. I wanted to talk about how our roles were slowly shifting as children were growing and our daily responsibilities were changing. I wanted to talk about reexamining our current roles and professions and pursuing those things buried deep, deep inside of us, waiting to see the light of day, waiting to influence and impact the world around us. I was grateful to each woman who said yes to talking about their age and sharing their own windy path to finding their current venture and themselves in the process. Please join me in listening to this OG series that led to the relaunch and rebrand of this podcast and our entire platform. I dare you to listen to these conversations and not consider your age to be an asset instead of an excuse. Actually, I double dare you. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. Today, you're in for a real treat. A dear, dear friend of mine, actually a family member of mine, is our guest today. And in this season where we're talking about female founders over 40 and we're celebrating them and we're asking them deep questions this person can tell us three times over the adventures she's had as an entrepreneur. And so get your notes out because you're in for some real information. Nan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Netta. It's been a while since Absolutely. we've seen each other and this is really a
0: treat. What a way to do it. I know, a treat for me as well. I wanted to ask you, and we're gonna spend some time going all the way back to your Tupperware days, but for right now, Tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing, your current business, and this new book that you've put out. All right. Well, my new
1: company is Aging Powerfully with Nan. Yeah. I wrote a book. I decided that six months prior to my turning 70 and my having found myself in a place that I was healthier than I'd been in probably decades... I looked at 70 and at first thought, well, okay, I'll turn 70 and I'll be soaring at 70. And then I thought, you know what? I'm gonna take it further than that. I'm gonna look at 70 as a new beginning, another launch to perhaps 20 to 30 or more years of life. The book is a memoir and a self-help book. The power of it, I believe, is my direction toward a movement of people, especially baby boomers. Mm. I just turned 70 January of 2021, so just a few months ago. And we baby boomers are sicker by the year than we were the previous year at younger ages. People in 40s and 50s are coming down with chronic illnesses that they shouldn't be and People at my age are just really struggling. And so I thought, you know, let's look at lifestyle changes. Let's look at moderating what we're doing, adding lifestyle modifications that are easy, logical, and that can make all the difference. But what was really behind all of that was that after almost 55 years of an eating disorder that I struggled with from the time that I was 15, I was finally free of it. Hmm. And by the time I wrote the book, it had been two years, it's two and a half years now. And it gave me the impetus to look at life as if it was starting all over. Because when you're 15 and you're shackled by something as dominating, it dominates everything, thought, purpose, movement, behavior. it is a rebirth to suddenly be free. So that was the launch of the book, knowing I had a story to tell, Mm -hmm. knowing that it was beyond that story, it was far beyond Mm -hmm. that, it was to a different way of looking at our years, whether or not we are baby boomers, whether or not we're 70, when we start that at any age, and realizing that we have so much power, and that's where power came in, so much power to take our lives into our own hands health-wise. And I'm going to say buck the system because as I said, we're getting sicker younger and it's unnecessary. So that's kind of where this whole thing went and aging powerfully with Nan just became a mantra.
0: And how do we engage with aging powerfully with Nan? That business is uh, a coaching business? and, And what do we get from you when we engage in that business? Tell us about that. All right. I haven't even put
1: anything together as it relates to individual coaching because so far I'm going on three years with a lifestyle medical general practice. Mm -hmm. Lifestyle medical in Riverside, California and Redlands, California is a general practice. And the founding physician, Dr. Wayne Dysinger, is one of the founding members of the College of Lifestyle Medicine that is, I'm gonna say sort of sweeping the country in terms of doctors wanting to become board certified to expand their knowledge Beyond procedures and medications to looking at the whole person. So I've been working with them almost three years, and through them and with them, I've been seeing patients and running group sessions and doing cooking classes because one of the pillars of health is to move more toward a whole food, plant based diet. Mm-hmm. My food is vegan. I haven't had meat in a couple of years or any animal product. I don't call myself a vegan because I think I'm wearing leather shoes today. And yeah. until all of that's gone, that's that becomes an ethical issue. But a whole food plant-based, completely plant-based. So I do cooking classes for them as well. But I haven't, until recently, really sought private patients. I'll call them clients. Um And the reason I say recently is that I did a podcast with Katherine Hansen, the writer of the book that I attribute my being able to stop my addiction and my addictive mm-hmm. behavior with Katherine Hansen's book, Brain Over Binge, and her recovery guide, that was a bit of a workbook. I give them credit. And she found out about that and we had a conversation and she did a podcast. Well, some people who have heard the podcast are now reaching out to me and I have several clients that I'm working with. So to answer your question so far, I'm not sure where that's going to go. I I, um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. And people have been able to access your information through this institute through this doctor on the lifestyle side, but can they get general information on the website? Yes, I have. Well, if they go to my
1: website, Mm nansimonson.com, there is a link to my cooking classes on YouTube. There's Mm -hmm. also a link to my Facebook pages, and I have a Facebook group, Power Agers, that I channel information too that I have a weekly, Thursday morning at 10 a.m., a weekly Facebook Live of 45 minutes to an hour on different subjects. I'm just finishing the macronutrients and the value of, well, this, uh, tomorrow, the value of eating carbohydrates, because whole food plant-based is pretty much a carbohydrate-based way of eating, which is so different than what so many of us were trained to eat. When I started paying attention to things like macros, we didn't call them that. Atkins was all over the place telling us that carbohydrates would kill us and that fats and meats were the way to go. And that didn't work for me, but I kept I kept trying for 55 years right, right. until I found a better way for me.
0: So your group coaching essentially through these live, got it, got it. And- it's interesting to me, and I, I want to get into this when I'm picking your brain as an expert and an entrepreneur at the, in the second half of the episode, but I, I just want to kind of mark this moment when you're talking about all of the YouTube and the Facebook, all of the digital tools that you're using to convey this information, which in this particular season when we're talking to women who have launched things over 40, that's been a really scary place for people, mainly because it's something that they don't know. So please make sure we come back to this because I know our listeners are gonna be interested in this. This isn't your first rodeo as an entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about your start in Tupperware specifically. And for any of you who think you know what I'm saying when I say Tupperware, you have no idea what Nan made of this business. So walk us back to that first entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial endeavor and in that you were working with a big institutional company? Well, I'll backtrack
1: for a second. My son calls where I am now, mom 3.0, because he was four months old when, and again, this eating disorder has been gone on a long time. And here yeah. I was at home with a child with way too much time on my hands, and I started getting scared. I started feeling that I didn't know if I could control myself well enough to be effective even as a mom. And that's how these Mm -hmm. things can affect us. And I went to a Tupperware party. I still remember he was this little four-month-old baby on my lap. And she started talking about getting out of the house and having your own money. And I'd been working forever. My own money was important to me for independence. Mm -hmm. And she said, you could do this as a sideline. And so I signed up. To get started as a Tupperware representative, I'd always loved cooking, so I thought, I'm really good in the kitchen, and I can describe things about saving time and money in the kitchen with a good product. And I became a consultant. Well, within five months, I was driving a company car because things are somewhat similar, but a little bit different. Back then, you could become a manager as soon as you had a certain number of consultants selling a certain amount. And when your group sold a certain amount, they gave you a company car to drive. And so within five months, I was in a company car. And I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD, which haunted me Mm. throughout school years. And a lot of my life, I thought I was faulty and defective because I, Mm. anyway, if you have either one of those, you know that sometimes tasks and thought processes are daunting. And um, there wasn't a lot I could do that I could deal with. Certainly never numbers and certainly not, you know, word problems. And I didn't know how talented I was standing up and talking to people and selling ideas and being passionate about a thing. And that's my skill. And I didn't know it. So I did very well at that. I could help people succeed because it felt so good to find a thing that worked. And so I built quite a team of people. And then Tupperware at a point, because I was one of the top managers in the nation for years, offered me my own franchise. They had to offer you a franchise back then, you bought the franchise. And so basically I bought a Tupperware company with a warehouse. So my husband who was in a top position with the city of Los Angeles as an engineer, went in one day and gave notice. He was leaving because he and his wife were gonna go sell plastic. (laughs) And (laughs) they thought he was crazy. But we built that company. We went into this little warehouse we could barely afford, but the last couple were out. And we either bought their lease or we weren't gonna get their company. And we went into this company that we could barely afford and worked really hard, but it was fun to work with people and make a difference in lives. And we built the company ultimately to be, we were one of the top 50 Tupperware companies in the world and consistently for, gosh, our, we were called distributors, a distributor for about 30 years, well, no, 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 20 years. Mm -hmm. And for most of that, we were in the top 10 or top five in the nation in sales. We were selling millions of dollars of product a year. So this was a store that we owned. It was just a franchise of a larger company. That was the entrepreneurial beginnings first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you, at some point you pivoted and I remember this actually, I remember the Tupperware, some of the Tupperware days, your latter Tupperware days, but You pivoted, and it was something that I believe was a passion, your gardening. And then, of course, like everything you do, you blew it up. It went beyond a passion. Tell us about that. Okay.
1: Well, through Tupperware, we got our dream house. So it was a big house on two and a quarter acres of land. When we bought the house, though, the house was in great shape, but the land was a wreck. So it took six months to get people in and clear everything out. And so it was a blank pallet. Well, our son was ready He at that time. We only have one child. We bought the house in May and in August. He went off to college in Baltimore, Johns Hopkins, and that was mm-hmm. the end of the only kid we had. So that yeah. was, we were scared. and But we decided, because by then we had been going to a lot of garden tours and things, let's make a botanic garden out of this two and a quarter acres. And that's exactly what we did. Bob and I, my late husband, both became master gardeners. That was a one-year course through the Cal University in um, California. Yeah, And we spent our weekends putting in plants and designing the landscape. And it was mainly me. He was kind of the hard work, but I just never stopped reading and studying. And our property was in Sunset Magazine a couple of times in the LA Times calendar, the front garden of the LA Times garden calendar when they did that. It was really a big deal. Every year for our, well, for seven years, it took a couple of years to get the landscape in bloom. But for seven consecutive years, the garden was on a garden tour every year. And the house was on Panhellenic home tour. So That's what happened there. Well, the next, I'll call it titration of my efforts, once we decided it was time to sell our Tupperware company, things were changing in Tupperware, and we knew that if we were going to sell the company, we needed to do it at that time. And I decided to get a real estate license. Well, we moved into a smaller home, and one of the smartest things we ever did, and I wish People were more willing to do something like that. We bought our second home cash. We could have gotten a larger home coming out of this wonderful dream house, but we got this charming little cottage of a home, which is where we are now, built in 1941 in an area called the Wood Streets of Riverside, which is an old um, kind of classic older homes from the turn of the century. And... Somebody asked me, oh, I was studying real estate, got my sales license. Well, somebody asked me if I would design the landscape because they should have seen what I had done with my garden for a bed and breakfast. So I did that. Somebody else asked me to design in their five acres a couple of areas. So I decided to do an English garden, cottage garden, and a French partier. And it began that I was on the weekdays designing people's gardens And on the weekends, doing open houses. (laughs) And the funny story is that the name on my license plate was Home to Garden, because I could either sell homes or go home and garden. (laughs) (laughs) So I got this kind of generic name, and that's still Home to Garden, uh, is still on my license plate. You had them covered in in one way or another. (laughs) So that began, I had to decide. I was either going to design gardens, or I was going to do real estate. And I had already spent so many decades in sales that I wanted to pursue an artistic endeavor. So I decided I was going to open Nanscapes, N-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-S. That was what I ran for 15 years. I went to a certification program to learn how to actually design because I knew how to create a garden and I could hire someone to put it in for me because I wasn't going to do that harder work. It's very difficult. And I didn't know irrigation well, but got that all covered, uh, learned how to actually do a design, render a design as you call it. And I ran that business for 15 years. My first year, I made over 115,000 just (laughs) designing gardens the first year. And so that surprised Amazing. me, and I did that for 15 years.
0: Nan, real quick for the people who are listening, because this is important. How old were you when you started that business? That I
1: did, let's see, it was 03, and I was born in 51, so what did that make me? 52, 51, yeah. and yeah. then I did that for 15 years until at, add 15 to 52, 65 or whatever that would be, <laughs> Yeah, I was up on a hill working with the crew on the day of installation. I was always there spotting plants on the day of installation because they didn't necessarily follow designs well. Uh, They got ornery and wanted to do their own thing. And so I was always spotting. (laughs) I'm up on this hill and I thought, Nan, you're going to fall down and kill yourself. You're too old for this. And I was tired of being in the sun for hours and hours. And so I decided, okay, I need to retire from that. And that's when, coincidentally, about that time, I started having some health markers go in a way I didn't like. And so I found the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, took a a health coaching course, a one-year course, and then four other courses, gut health, hormone health, on and on, and became a health coach. And the interesting thing is that even before I got my actual certification, which came in in January, I was hired in December, not hired because I do it as contract work, with lifestyle medicine, having no idea that I was working with Dr. Dysinger, this superstar in the field of lifestyle medicine. But by then, I was looking more at at plant-based eating. And a friend said, oh, well, they have cooking classes there on plant-based eating. And I went to a cooking class. The COO happened to be at the class and Didn't know who I was because normally it's just members. And I said, oh, well, I'm becoming a health coach and I wanted to learn how to cook plant-based. I didn't really know how. And he said, oh, we're looking for a health coach. Boom, that began this one. So that's how these things have evolved.
0: It's interesting though, because I think many of us have found ourselves in that situation where something comes up, but you walk through those doors. That's the difference. And I think, you know, many of us who can hear this can say, well, Nan is one of the lucky ones. And the reality is, as you're telling these stories, it's that you continue to embrace those things and move forward in those things. You never at one point, at 50, at 60, and now at 70, said, that's not for me. I don't have the experience I need to have to be this or that. You went and got the experience, you went and got the education, you educated yourself, and you opened those doors for yourself. And I think that's what I'm taking away, and that's what I'm so inspired by in hearing your story. So you're doing the health coach thing, you're talking about this aging powerfully thing, it's informed by your own story and your own struggles. Who are you doing it for? Because you could have been getting this information for yourself and living a healthy life for yourself Who did you want to impact? I mean, a book and becoming a health coach and those things are for other. Who were the others that you wanted to talk to? I suppose I could say my generation, but it went beyond Mm -hmm.
1: that. I'm appalled at the state of health of Mm. Americans in general. I'm appalled. We should be able to expect to get into our 70s and 80s and be energetic. But- and and be um, free of chronic diseases like cardiovascular disease, chronic pulmonary obstructive disease, uh, diabetes, what we call lifestyle chronic illnesses. We should be able to do that, but we're not. Those things are beginning in people's 40s and 50s now. Mm. And that affected me a lot. When I look around at young people who are gaining weight the way older people think they're just doomed to do, Mm -hmm. pound or two a year or whatever some people believe is normal, that's not so. And it's quite evident that it does, is that it affects the quality of life. It's not about looks. It's about discomfort. It's about pain. It's about living our lives then from one procedure to another. And I saw that and my father died at 62. My mother was chronically ill. Well, she was diagnosed with cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in her 50s, had a brain tumor, fought obesity her entire life and it affected her self-image. And my brother also in his 50s got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so I I felt doomed, but I did some things differently in my own personal life when I wasn't killing myself (laughs) with my eating disorder, I studied nutrition. Mm -hmm. I studied nutrition in college as well. And that's not unusual. I mean, sometimes those who struggle with something mightily certainly want to know more about it and quite often want to share it with others. And so that's part of it. My passion is to either show people or convince them or a little of both what it can be like to age with power where you have the energy and the stamina to still play and get out there and ride our bikes and walk up mountains and dance and sing and not hurt anywhere. When I shifted from, I'll call it standard American diet to my plant-based decision and was able to stop binging. My cholesterol was sky high, and they wanted to put me on statins. And I was pre-diabetic, and they wanted to treat me as if I was diabetic with the medications for that metformin. And my rheumatoid arthritis was the antibodies were sky high. They wanted to put me on an antisuppressant. Or an autosuppressant. And then they wanted to take out my gallbladder. <laughs> and my mother had done that and just about wrecked her. And I just said no to all of that. And all of that now is stellar. The gallbladder works perfectly. All of my numbers are as if I'm, you know, a 30 year old. And it was just because of lifestyle changes. Mm. And h- how could I not be convinced that that can make a difference? And my backstory just, a little deviation is that I was married for 40 years to the man that I married at 19, and he passed away with esophageal cancer. And I did remarry a couple of years later. Well, this this new guy, <laughs> <laughs> guy 2.0. <laughs> uh, anyway, his name is Tim. And Tim is... He's a year and a half younger than me, so he's 68. And he was having some health issues as well. Well, he's not now because he was all in when I said, you know what, let's just start adding a lot of plants and then started cutting out the animal and add plants, cut out animal. And before you knew it, we were both completely animal free. And he is doing marvelously. He had had a, a pituitary tumor and- they removed that. And for the first couple of years, it was growing back little by little. And they were thinking they were going to have to go back and irradiate or take it out again. And it was pretty gnarly to do it the first time. And when we went plant-based, and it's been three years, there was no growth at all. And I do believe, based on my research, that animal protein has a lot to do with extraneous cellular growth. And so we said that to the neurosurgeon because he said, what are you doing? And we told him, and well, he happened to be, actually, he's a Seventh-day Adventist, which is 15 minutes from my home, and the Seventh-day Adventists of Loma Linda are the Blue Zone people among the longest living in the world. And he was one, and he said, well, of course that made a difference. So we were fortunate enough to have chosen even the right neurosurgeon and- Wow. Anyway, so the evidence is there, and it would have been impossible for me to turn my back on it because everything is going in the right direction. I mean, knock on wood, I don't walk in front of a bus tomorrow and get knocked off, but I would really like to believe that for the next 20 and 30 years or more, even 10, that I'm going to get to see my grandkids grow and play with them and ride bikes with them. And some people can't do that because they can barely move because they're on too much medication that makes them sick and the medication to alleviate that. Again, I can go on and on. That was part of the impetus to write that part of the book. But I couldn't get to that without the memoir because the memoir brought to light how I could have gone on a very different way and basically not even been in a position health-wise to be talking
0: about these things. So. Sure. When you say aging powerfully, there's an acronym that you use, right? What is the acronym? Yes. Powerfully, the
1: whole thing. P is purpose. O is others. That's community. The five basic pillars of lifestyle medicine are purpose, community and i others was my o w is whole food plant based that's nutrition um, and the college of lifestyle medicine does promote a plant based diet mm-hmm. primarily plant based you know there are no hard and fast rules because people sometimes need to titrate to graduate to that e is exercise that's movement we just can't age without moving our bodies on a regular basis. And R is resilience, and resilience is the subject of sleep and uh, meditation and stress release. So those five pillars are part of lifestyle medicine. Yeah. And then fully, power fully are some residual ideas that also make a difference. F would be, for fully, would be fasting, mm-hmm. I- do something called intermittent fasting. Some call it time-restricted feeding, mm-hmm. where I go 12 to 14 hours between dinner and breakfast. And that has been shown to be restorative and, and very healthful and on a number of levels. And all that's in the book. You is going into our life, what's left of it, unafraid. Because a lot of people, as they start getting older, they start fearing so many things that they start avoiding a lot of things. Mm. I mean, there are older people, and that's, you would think, oh, Nan, you must be talking about 90-year-olds who won't even walk around the block for fear of falling down because they've become somewhat unsteady. And as their health diminishes early and earlier, they're doing less and less of that. Yeah. So you is unafraid, L, and I put LL, and one is laugh. To, be, to find joy and happiness in things that we would otherwise not by making a decision that we're gonna lighten our hearts in that way. People can either see the cup half full or half empty, and that it many times is simply a decision. A man is just about as happy as he makes up his mind to be, and that is a old time quote, and I believe that's true. And the other L is love. And that love is love of self that then allows us the energy to radiate that love out to others, to first find value in ourselves. And I was missing that for decades and decades because I knew who I was and what I was doing. And it took me a long time to lose that lack of regard for myself and find value there. And so love of ourselves, fall in love with who and what we were meant to be, and then radiate that out, give to others. And then the last one, the why is you, be yourself, be whatever you were meant to be, and just take joy in the individuality and the power that we have to give to the world based on our authentic self. So that's that's the acronym powerfully.
0: That's the end of our podcast, ladies. (laughs) And there you have it. There you have it. I want the audience to hear something. Because I have a history with you, when you talk about self-love, I just want to be very clear that if anybody has known you for your life, they would not say this is a person who didn't have self-love they would say this is a confident woman who believed in herself who so i only make the point to say lest you the audience think nan went from being somebody who was depressed and sort of in a corner somewhere and then blossomed that's not the case you always were sort of this effervescent person And so I think it really causes us to pause and consider what is that thing that within ourselves we aren't loving that needs to be unlocked and unleashed and make us unafraid, whether it's of our past or whatever. I want to read something really quickly that you wrote in your dedication, if you don't mind. I dedicate this to all who have known the feeling of being powerless, whether young and incapable of taking control or at any point in adulthood, when it becomes clear that there is a need for change. My wish for all of us is to fully grasp that we have the power within us to alter the direction of our health and therefore our life. I dedicate this book and the rest of my life to taking command of what we can and aging powerfully. It's so beautiful. And it's everything that you just said, both in what you did for yourself and what you're calling other people into the space you're calling them into. And the unafraid leads us right into this next section of the podcast, which is really where we're going to pick your brain a little bit. And I already have to some degree, but so many women in this age group that we really want to hear these words and hear these celebrated stories Are afraid. They feel like there's a lot to lose. There's a lot on the line. They've perhaps built a reputation for being one thing and they're afraid to leave that. Maybe they're afraid of who they actually are. Maybe they're afraid that they don't have anything to offer the world. Maybe they're afraid that their success in one other career is the only success they can have. Maybe they're afraid to leave motherhood or motherhood was forced upon them that they should shift because their kids have gone off to college. What do you want to say to those women who are afraid of what's next?
1: I think we need to examine ourselves well enough to understand what we would consider to be our purpose, what would light us up inside enough to define where we put our energy. And when we can do that. And when we can trust that we are willing to, I'll call it risk comfort, because there's no question that after we launch any endeavor, there are periods of discomfort. I remember the book going to publication and thinking, holy crud, I put all kinds of stuff out there that, what was I thinking? And I worried about that. You know, the eating disorder was a secret that nobody knew about except my late husband, nobody. Not my son, not my girlfriends, nobody. And there it was, boom, this expose. Mm-hmm. And I what was I thinking? Well, that was a risk. Leaving Tupperware when we could have stayed with it and then getting a real estate license, really, when I can't even do math? That was a risk. It takes some of that. It takes a belief, you know what it also takes? It also takes the ability to be inspired by the success of others. Because Mm. I did that in Tupperware, I did that in gardening, actually in every arena, including even now. I would look at people that I admired this is part of my book because that's what saved me as a kid when I, as well, you'll have to read that part of the book. I won't even go into that, but it was really tough <laughs> being young um, because of a number of things. And there were people who came into my life that I looked at and thought, I want to be like that, that I would... Maybe it was a gift that I had, but maybe it was simply a decision that I made. If they could, I could. And you hear this a lot. You'll hear somebody say, well, if so-and-so could do it, I could do it. And that's something that I built into my character. And every person of relevance, of stature that had something that I wanted gave me the power to Aim for that and the belief that I could ultimately do it. Well, the same thing now. And that is, if we have a purpose and we see somebody in that space, and when we can embrace that belief that if they could do it, we could, and just take a leap we can find ourselves in places we never knew we could be in. This class came up in the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, Write Your Dream book. Mm-hmm. I've been taking classes from them for a couple of years. They had done it one other time. and I thought, are you kidding? I could never write a book because having learning disabilities, I could barely write a paper in school. But here it was coming up to 70. Here's the book class. I thought, oh, what the heck? And I registered for the class. It began in July and my book was published December 27th, not even six months later. And somehow, just because I did that dive into it, I found a way to make that happen. Having no business, even thinking I could or even should, that's what I'm talking about. And it may not be specific enough for you, but I can't think of any better way to put it.
0: You can't imagine what you just nailed. I mean, that is the reason that this podcast exists, that we really believe that in order to liberate other women's dreams, we need to tell the story of the women who've liberated their own, that it's by example, that it's looking to what women who are going to listen to this podcast and say, well, if Nan could do that, Maybe I can. I have an eating disorder. I'm dyslexic. I'm 60 or 70. Like, I'm inspired because I've seen somebody else do it, no matter what it is they're going to promote or do. And, you know, that old saying of you have to see it to be it, you have to hear it too, you know, that, which is why we're doing this podcast. I hope that Liberty is able to do more and more of that, more and more storytelling so that we can inspire other people to do it, inspire and equip them really show them the way. So no, you actually nailed that. That was awesome to hear. What would you say having this sort of, you know, you're on this hilltop and you're able to just have a perspective filled with wisdom and experience and expertise if you could go back and say to the 40-year-old Nan, the 50-year-old Nan, and the 60-year-old Nan, what would you say to her about her sort of entrepreneurial pursuits, about what she's going to be or can be that might alleviate whatever her concerns were in those respective generations?
1: Throughout that journey of evolution, I spent a lot more time looking at what I wasn't than what I was. And... Hmm. Maybe that was a good thing. Maybe it made me more determined, but maybe it wasted a huge amount of energy. Hmm. And if I have a regret, it's that I didn't stretch even more, that I didn't try even more things because if I hadn't been in my own way during that time, I could have gone further. I could have taken additional steps I look at other people and I look at their accomplishments and I think, if only, and again, that isn't formulaic, it's rather vague, but that's the only thing I can think of that I would have done differently. And that is to dream, I don't even know if it's dreaming bigger, but it's getting out of your own way Mm. and catching yourself doing everything right that you can so that you can see the value of what's there. I think we hold ourselves back all the time by spending way too much energy finding what's wrong rather than what's right.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, amen to that. Blisters, I hope you hear that loud and clear and that it informs your next steps of seeing what you're doing right and leaning into that. You touched on something that I said I wanted to put a pin in early on, and I wanna make sure we address this at 70 you are hosting live facebook coaching to large groups you are posting on youtube how did you not become stunted by the digital world that many of us you know 20 25 years your junior are afraid of oh what likewise. was it that Oh, you were?
1: Okay, tell oh, us. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here's a confession. Yeah. You have a wonderful person who helps you with the podcast, Elizabeth. Yeah. And yeah. she sent me a list of instructions of something to do with something called QuickTime Player. And I looked at it all, and I began doing my… Uh, <laughs> My little hysteria dance. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I (laughs) I know that dance. I know it really well, actually. But I calmed down. And instead of continuing to say, and so much of what I'm saying isn't nailed. This is stuff that I'm evolving through. And and I calmed down. And I just kind of quietly came into my office. I Googled. That's the thing I'm learning to do. That all answers are in Google. I Googled, how do you do QuickTime Player or how do you install it? And they told me, but then I went to my launch pad. I'm on an Apple, I went to the launch pad and there it was, there was QuickTime yeah. Player. I didn't even know what the thing was. And I looked at her directions and I took quiet, deep breaths <laughs> and I did exactly <laughs> what she told me to and it all worked. It was a yeah. miracle. So to answer your question, in my class, Creating Your Dream Book, There were many segments that walked one or me, but it wasn't me because I didn't do it, walked one through all of the mechanics of self-publishing, all of the mechanics of getting out into social media. These are all younger people, 20s and 30s and 40s, and they throw terms around like we're supposed to know what they are, you know, these abbreviations and yeah. and I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> so I wasn't ready to do that, not and get this book out by the time I was 70, because that was the thing, even though we had as long as we wanted to create a book, and oh, by the way, I'll brag, I'm just gonna do it rather than ask yeah. if I should. Yeah, I, just do I, it, just I, um, do it. <laughs> there was a, I'll call it a contest, a promotion, and the top three authors of this class who had a book done by January 4th would get their tuition for free. And first I thought, well, I could never get it done by January 4th. And then I thought, but well, wouldn't that be perfect to have it done in time for my birthday and by January 4th? So that became the goal. And I was one of the top three authors. Oh so, my gosh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so yeah I thought, you should I, brag about yeah, that, that. Yeah, you that, should. I thought that was really cool. And that the book was a Amazon bestseller. I thought that was cool too. That is very cool. So what happened is even though there were those instructions, again, truth be told, I wasn't ready to take that deep of a dive, to take that much time to figure out all of that stuff. But in one of the classes, they had a speaker, because there were a lot of videos, training videos, and the person doing the training video, her name is Amy Olson, I don't know how I found her, but I looked her up because, oh yeah, they talked about her her website and what she does and she's into publishing. And I said, I'll write the book. If you could do this stuff that they're talking about that I don't understand because my goal is to have it done by the 27th. Do you think we could have it done? Tell me exactly what you need from me when you need it and I will do it. So in other words, I hired somebody. She not only put the publishing part together. But then she said to me, okay, Nan, now you need to go to Instagram. And she still does that. She'll say, okay, Nan, it's time to get something up. (laughs) I'll put something together. And by having her direct me to do it, but any of your kids could, because the kids have this stuff nailed. I was talking to my son the other day. He had his first Apple computer when he was, what, 10 or 12 years old. And I dealt with my first computer who knows when a lot oh, longer yeah. you know later than <laughs> yeah, that yeah. but anyway so to to answer simply i am doing little by little and i'm learning i'm calming down because it overwhelms me and i go in looking for the thing that's not going to work at least i used to rather than just calming down enough to know that if it didn't work this way there's going to be another way because obviously sure. a million billions in some cases yeah. of people are doing it. And I had a, a coach. So Amy is my art director, my publisher, and my kind of media manager. She kind of watches what I'm doing and you know, I'll go off on solo and she'll be really impressed. So I'm like this kid, what'd you think, Amy? And <laughs> so, yeah, but I've only taken on Instagram, Facebook, doing Facebook Live, YouTube, cooking class, but I haven't done any of the others, Pinterest or, well, I don't sell yeah. something they would yeah. want.
0: But that's, you say only. I mean, that's what's so impressive. And there's two things you said that I just want to hit on is, one, through Amy, I mean, yes, you've hired her, but there's this cross-mentoring. I'm sure Amy could talk about all the things that you've been teaching her in this process. And when we're able to really learn from others who know more, whether they're from another generation or or what. They know more about a specialty than us. There's, of course, we need to access those people. And then the other thing is this idea of just taking a deep breath, following the instructions, really learning something, learning a new platform one at a time. So you started to learn whichever one you started with, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. And then it became something that you mastered and you can move on. You mastered it to the degree that you needed to master it. And I think that's the big takeaway. And the thing that I want people to hear from your story is that it's kind of a one at a time, and it's no different than learning anything else. And we can get really tripped up by the enormity of, oh, technology, and I can't do it. Yeah, you can. You can. It's a tool
1: my son recently said, wow, mom, you're blowing up on YouTube. Now I only have a hundred (laughs) posts, but he said, you're all over the place. And he was just kind of amazed because, well, he knows that I was overwhelmed at one time by all of that. I didn't know what they were talking about. So yeah, and it feels great to have these strides and to give ourselves a pat for doing something that we could have just as easily avoided.
0: Yeah. Nan, what do you want to say to women who are listening to this, who are in their 60s, 70s, who think it's too late to start something? What do you want to say to them? I'll say to them what I actually said to
1: myself, and that is that I can either go into, and in my case, it was into my 70s or into your 60s, considering what society tells me, that I'm, an old lady now at 70 you are an old lady when you're on medicare they consider you an old person i could either do that and looking around me believe that this is the beginning of the end let's see how long i can stave off what's happening to sue down the block and annie my friend and you know what happened to my mother that rabbit hole we can fall into because of fear of what age is doing to so many around us, or we can decide that we have, and again, I have no idea. You know, I I thought to myself, there are mean people out there that are gonna laugh their butts off if I drop dead in two years, (laughs) but I'm just not gonna go there. My belief now is very, very strong. I knew a woman, I did her garden. She fibbed to me. She told me she was in her early 80s. I found out, I'd gone on a trip after my husband passed and went back and found out that she had passed. She was 94 when she passed, but she had me fooled. She walked two miles every day. She drove her own car. We configured her entire garden to a water-wise Mediterranean garden. I loved that woman. Her name was Margaret Fast. Well, I have her firmly planted in my psyche I will be another Margaret Fast. That's Mm. what they can do. Mm. They can look at not who they know that isn't striving, but everyone they know that is striving mightily Mm. and creating mightily in their later years and decide if them, why not me? Mm. And to come up with like, I have a mission. I have the next 20 to 30 years to stay alive, (laughs) stay healthy, and help other people understand that that can be done and to help them do it with the knowledge that I gain as I do it along the way. I just heard an interview with Elaine LaLane. She's 94 and she's a kick rear end old lady and she's not so old actually. She put up her muscles. She's got a real good bicep. (laughs) And those are the things that can pull us forward, push us from behind, but also pull us forward beyond what we can fall into the trap of, again, fearing. So that's what I have to say.
0: You are, for so many 70, 60, 50, 40, 30-year-old women, you are that example and that model. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. I encourage everybody to get the book, which we will have in the show notes. So you guys don't have to pull over if you're in your car, if you're watching this. um, It's aging powerfully. Thank you, Nan. Thank you for taking the time to show us how you did it and how we can do it too. But before I let you go, we have our fast five. These last questions that we ask, just for fun, a way for people to get to know you a little bit more. And the first one is, what is the one thing that you think an entrepreneur must possess? One character trait that they must possess? I'll
1: sum up what I'd said before with one word, and that would be vision. I do believe in the law of attraction. And if we have vision, Mm. we'll pull ourselves to whatever that vision that is clearly in our mind uh, sets us up for.
0: Oh, that's good. That's great. I don't think we've heard that one before. I love it. What was an app or any sort of software or tool that you have been using in your business on a regular basis that you found to be really helpful? Well, it shows what a rookie I
1: am because it's, honestly, it's something called iMovie. Yeah, My husband's daughter, who's 28, showed me how when I do a video of me doing a recipe, how I can start and stop and start and stop and cut it up and all of that easily and then save it and then from there post it onto YouTube. And so that simple little app And again, somebody would hear that and think, are you kidding, Nan? Because there are probably 50 things that are so much more sophisticated and wiser. But for me, iMovie was like this revelation.
0: Yeah, that's all we need. We need it to work for us. It doesn't matter if it's the latest gig out there. When you made just enough money, and let's talk about in your most recent work, um, what was the first thing you hired for? I found Amy. Amy? Yeah,
1: because I was overwhelmed by what I couldn't do. And I had a time frame, but even if I hadn't, I was overwhelmed by what was so hard for me. And rather than take that on, and, and in all of my businesses, I always had a helper that I was willing to pay to do the things that my skills would be a waste on mm. and my time better used in a building mode. And that was Amy, Amy Olson.
0: Yeah. We all need an Amy Olson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, this one I say is the hardest question that I ask. Red vines or Twizzlers? Which is it? You know what I had to do to answer? I was not <laughs> even going to answer this and say, I just don't eat sugar.
1: But <laughs> I had to look them up to realize that, okay, it was red vines that I grew up on. Yeah. And because... Twizzlers, I had to look them both up and look at them. Yeah. yeah, it was red vines. Twizzlers don't have a hollow center, whereas red vines, I remember as a young kid biting off the end of a red vine, yeah, there I know was exactly something what you're called a say. pixie stick, and we yes. would fill the silly thing with this sugar sugar, stuff, <laughs> and then we'd eat it. That was my oh, yeah. only experience with red vines because I haven't had them in, well, since I was a kid.
0: But yeah, red vines all over the place. We used to bite both ends of it and use it as a straw. Oh, with, I'm okay. sure some sugar soda product. So some some other horrible thing. That's funny. You know that this podcast is called Liberty for Her. Our platform is all about liberating women to to pursue their dreams, to liberate their dreams. What does that word mean for you, Nan? What does liberty mean? Oh, gosh.
1: It means opportunity to experience again and again and again the marvel of being alive, Mm. freedom, freedom to make choices, to experience, to love life. And we have that power to orchestrate that in our own lives.
0: As evidenced by you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for The book, I cannot wait to watch some of these YouTube videos and learn how to create some of these plant-based meals. My future dining experience thanks you for it as well. Liberty listeners, we will again have everything that Nan mentioned here uh, in the show notes for you to access. And I'm so excited for you to take this information and pursue your next steps, being unafraid, as Nan pointed out. Until next week, we will talk to you guys again then. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, Please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.